Well, we're doing a series on uh, how or how to know the will of God or how you can hear God's voice. And uh, that's a very good question to ask, don't you think? I think so. Thank you, Chloe. It's a rhetorical question. I'm not supposed to use rhetorical questions. It's a very important question to ask how we can hear the voice of God or how we can know the will of God. And uh, the Bible reading this morning uh, is about Elijah. And it gives us a, a, a good window, really, into humanity and into someone who's called of God and then how they're experiencing and handling their circumstances. One thing we need to remember when we read about, um, you know, uh, the Bible says that the, old, the, the stories we have, the accounts we have from the Old Testament are there as an example for us. But one thing we need to remember is that we're looking at and dealing at unregenerated people, people who have not been born again. And so we, we very often uh, we very often get a window at what uh, what the flesh is like. Uh, I'll, I'll try and say that in a way because uh, uh, yes so so we get a picture here of Elijah and he's obviously called of God, God's hands on his life, but his big struggle is with his flesh in hearing from God. And so when we see pictures and stories like that, it's we can put ourselves in that place by saying, that's what our, how our flesh responds to things, all right? However, as we learn about hearing from God and knowing God's will, we need to look at and uh, consider ourselves from if this is the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we, we celebrated communion today, we received healing from that, then, then you've got the death and you've got the resurrection of Jesus Christ and you've got the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We are on this side of Pentecost. And that's a major change in hearing from God and understanding God. One of the great promises prophesied by in Isaiah and Jeremiah was that at that time he will set a new covenant with us, not an old covenant. And a covenant means the way people relate to each other. So I'll establish a new relationship of how you relate to each other. Not like the old one where there's a heart of stone, but the new one, which is a heart of a softened heart. And I'll write my laws on your heart. And you won't need to go to anyone and say, give me some light, give me some understanding. What, what that's referring to is that in the old covenant, they had a prophet. The ministry of a prophet was to speak to the nation. Under the new covenant, the ministry of the prophet is to affirm and reassure and, and enlighten what God has already done in your heart and is already revealing to you. Alright? And so under the old covenant, they, they, they would get direction from the prophet. Under the new covenant, we get direction from the Holy Spirit who is residing and living in us, and it's a major difference. But what we can see from this story from Elijah is how uh, the guidance which he was to get from God um, had nothing to do with these great victories that he had just had, because he had just come from from uh, from from battling the prophets of Baal, and the fire came down and destroyed them all. He had this great victory, and then he gets this negative report that the the the, the, the king or the queen was after him. 
and was going to kill him. And so he runs away in hiding. Who knows your flesh is like that? <laughs> Who knows that, that you can, sometimes you can be experiencing the, the most wonderful victories in God and you hear one little negative report and your soul goes, you know, and that is exactly what happened to Elijah. And God asks him, what are you doing, Elijah? And he says, I'm having a pity party. <laughs> he didn't even know. He's like, he's always doing a big prophecy. I've been doing all these things and if it's turned against me. And that's what your flesh will do. It helps to be able to recognize the voice of your flesh. We'll talk more about that later. And then the other thing is, God, God was going to be there, but God was going to show uh, Elijah and through that show us that in the big earth-changing, shaking things that happen in our life, that's not God speaking to us. In the things that go wrong and we struggle and we fall, we trip over, that's not God speaking to us. The carnal man will look for things outside for guidance and direction. And the the carnal man will, and and really, it's going to be that still small voice that is inside of us. That is how God leads. Every other word that's prophetic, tongues, interpretations, all those sorts of things, they are all just to confirm. The Bible says you're to judge them. They are to confirm. And God was in that still small voice. And Elijah still had brought down the flesh and he still had a bit of a moan and God had to slap him around the face a bit. The other thing we see from that is really how we're feeling can have and usually has nothing to do with the spiritual situation or the victory that is waiting around the corner if we can put down the flesh and be obedient to God. At the other end of putting down the flesh is victory. At the other end of being obedient to God, to his word and to his voice, is victory. So turn with me, please, if you would, to Romans chapter 8. We're going to talk about this still, small voice. In Romans chapter 8... You understand, don't you, that the epistles were written for, especially for us, especially for the church. They're for the born-again, spirit-filled person. And this is where God explains that the, uh, the, the Gospels are what God did and showed himself to be in person. The epistles is God writing to us to show us how to live. The epistles are written to us. It says Romans on it, but you can put your name. The epistle to John, the epistle to Linda, the epistle to Paul. All right? So so the truth, the new resurrection truth that God reveals here is for us. So when God says this is how we're to be led, we don't go and take it from what Gideon did or what Elijah did. Right? We take it from... Paul's, the Holy Spirit's revelation through the epistles. So here, in talking about being led, Romans 8, verses 14. Well, well, let's back it up a little bit. You hear that little crunch? 
Did you hear the crunch? That was an unsynchronized gear, gearbox. It went back into reverse. Nevertheless, I learned to drive on a 1963 Volkswagen Beetle. They didn't have synchro in second gear. And so I learned that sound of grading gears. Who's familiar with that sound of grading gears here? Yeah. Back in the day. Nevertheless, so then, brethren, we are under obligation not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. If you live according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God or the children of God. Now, you can back that verse up and reverse it. A lot of times we get you know, a bit of light in the Scripture if you just reverse it. As many as are the children of God have the Spirit of God and are being led by that Spirit of God. As many as are the children of God have the Spirit of God and are being led by by the Spirit of God. Now we're going to talk a little bit about how God speaks to us, but even focus on that, focusing and thinking about that scripture there, just put your finger, put your pen in that place if you bookmark, is that the leading of the Holy Spirit is available to everyone. And, uh, you know, the metaphor is used of a, of a radio station, but, you know, the radio station can be broadcasting. Back in the day, we had little, back in the day, we had little dials. Remember that? We had little dials, little analog dials. And if you wanted to hear, you just had to get that little dial just right, you know. And when you focused on the signal that was coming, you know, you didn't complain about the signal that was coming out of the ABC or the BBC. You knew that it was probably uh, coming out strong, but we had to just adjust that dial till we got it spot on. And you know if you had a little bit to the left, a little bit to the right, a little bit of static going, you know. A lot of our lives as we learn, as our minds are renewed and we learn to be led by the Holy Spirit, we're very much in that static realm. I think I can hear a little... And we're learning to refine our hearts so that we can hear God. The answer to the question of how you can hear the voice of God, 95% of it is down here. Romans 12, 1-2. It says, Offer your body as a living sacrifice. This is the acceptable thing to do. Have a renewed mind, a mind that is changed so that you can discern what is the will of God. So in, in Romans chapter uh, uh, eight, where we're reading, it said, "As many as are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God." For we have not received a spirit of uh, leading to a spirit of fear, leading to slavery. We have received a spirit of adoption as sons. We cry out, "Abba, Father!" Then it says here, "The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God." The Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. In this most essential part of our walk with God, the confirmation of who we are, the relationship we have here, the Word of God reveals to us the primary way that God leads us. It says the Spirit bears witness with our spirit. Now note here, it's not the Spirit bears witness with our mind. It doesn't say the Spirit bears witness with our emotions. 
It doesn't say the Spirit bears witness with our circumstance. It says the Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Now, we are an eternal spirit. When you were born again, your spirit was born again. I noticed that I did not get a new body when I was born again. Otherwise, I would put in an order for it, you know. I wanted to be six foot six and weigh 120 kilos and play flanker for the wallabies. I didn't get that. Okay? I didn't get that. But our spirit was born again. It says in James that God, the Holy Spirit earnestly desires or covets that to have fellowship with the spirit that he's placed within us. God is a spirit. He communicates with our spirit. Our job is to be sanctified, to have our mind renewed, so that we can hear what God's saying to our spirit. It does not say God will speak to your emotions. It does not say you'll be led by feelings. As many as the children of God are led by the Spirit of God, He bears witness to our spirit. Now what that means is that it's a picture where we have a born-again spirit is right with God. We've taken communion. That wine, that body, that bread represents... I like to break the bread myself. I like to break it because I say, thank you, Lord Jesus, your body was broken for me. And a break it just helps me remember that he took my sin. But the wine is the wine of the new covenant. And what that represents, what that means is that we have free unfettered access, righteous access, unhindered, free of guilty conscience to come before God. That is the new covenant. That's a good deal. Don't you think? That we would be declared righteous so we can come boldly before the presence of God. All right? So now the Holy Spirit gets alongside of us and goes, "Mm mm-hmm, there's witness, agrees with us Okay, as to who we are in Christ, agrees with us as to what God's done for us, agrees with us as to direction. Go, mm hmm, uh huh, uh huh. That that means it's a partnership being led with God. It's a partnership. The Holy Spirit comes alongside. So, what we need to learn to do in learning to be led is to learn to listen to that Holy Spirit partnership that we have coming along. The Holy Spirit going, mm hmm, yeah, huh. That's it. You got it. We'll talk about this more later. There's nowhere in the Bible says the Holy Spirit brings conviction upon you as a new creation. It says the Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin. I'm happy to stand corrected, just not here. But you find the scripture. You find it for me. Jesus said the Holy Spirit will convict the world of sin. But what sin did he say he convicted of? Was it homosexuality? No. Was it fornication? No. Was it swearing? No. Jesus said the sin that the Holy Spirit will convict the world of. That means the Holy Spirit will bring the world this view. You won't get a, 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 a nation righteous by banning homosexuality. Now, I don't get me wrong here. Listen to what I'm saying. 
Homosexuality is not from God. We are to identify with a new creation we have in Christ, even if you've got those inclinations. I believe in walking sanctified, walking in the righteousness that we have. But you don't get a righteous nation by making people act good. I thought we'd learned that. Didn't we? Haven't we learned that? Didn't they try that for, for millennia? It didn't work. You get a nation righteous by getting people born again. Yeah, that's right. And so Jesus said the Holy Spirit will convict the world of what Jesus, or rejecting him, yeah. or what he's done for them. In fact, the epistle, the, uh, John said, if your, if your spirit, our spirit is the one that, that's our, that's our conscience. We have a conscience fights to be finely tuned. We know when we're erring. We know, all right, you know, and, uh, and, and the Holy Spirit will point us to righteousness. Because the answer for victory over sin is not guilt. It's not shame. It's not condemnation. It's the grace and the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we know who we are and we can walk in that righteousness. You will walk as the person you identify as being. Ain't that the truth? Uh-huh. You're feeling guilt, shame, and condemnation. You put that on other people. You walk like that. But John said, if your spirit convicts you, we have a testimony that is greater than that conviction. And that testimony is the testimony of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God that you are made righteous. You are no longer a sinner. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. Pick yourself up. Look at yourself in the mirror and say, I have free, unfettered access to the throne of God and I can go in there boldly to find the grace that I need to live and walk righteously. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit. Don't take it. Don't say he's convicting me. He's showing you the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And repent of it. So I repent of the guilt and shame and condemnation. I repent of that sin too. But also repent of the self-righteousness, which causes me to think that somehow I'm not righteous. I'm not worthy. i got news for you. Headlines. That's the whole point of the gospel. We weren't worthy. By recognizing that, we qualify. We qualify. As soon as we think we're worthy, it says in Galatians, we trip and we fall out of grace. To realize when that's the voice of the Holy Spirit will lead you to, to shame-free, bold, open spaces that says, come into the presence of God. Turn your back on sin. That's what repent means. Turn your back on shame, guilt, shame, condemnation. But that, I, 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 I diverge. But that is the voice of the Holy Spirit in your life. That's where he says, mm-hmm, yep, yep, that's it. And that's the primary way God will lead you through that witness. Now, there's an inner voice and an inner witness and a few other things. And on our Wednesday night services, we're talking about we're going to start talking about prophecy, tongues, interpretation, those sorts of things. But this is the fun. This is the bread and butter. This is the ABCs of being led. Yeah. All right. So we're not to be led like Elijah was feeling by, you know, he was expecting God to shake them out and have this great word from We're not to be led by circumstances. We are not to be led by feelings. 
who grew up in a Pentecostal, I had like some experience in Pentecostal church, I sort of was there for many years. Anyone, you because I'm just saying, see, no one wants to own up to it. <laughs> you would have heard this, and I don't mean to, to but, but you know, like we were taught to put out a fleece. We were told, you want to know the will of God, put out a fleece. Who's heard that expression, put out a fleece? Who's done it? Come on, I've done it. Yeah, right, okay. And, and that's from the story of Gideon, and I don't want to... If you think your toes are about to get trimmed on, just pull them in, pull them in under there. I, You know, remember, Gideon was not born again. We don't find how Gideon got led to find out how we get led. But even looking at that in, in Gideon, uh, in uh, what is it, Judges 6, turn there. Turn to Judges 6. We're not to be led by circumstances. We're not to be led by outward things. The leading of God is, listen to this, the leading of God is internal. It's not external. It's spiritual. It's not emotional. The leading of the Holy Spirit is internal. It's not external. It's spiritual, not emotional. And in Gideon's, I just wanted to deal with this because in Gideon's, in Judges chapter 6, someone likes to tell me what page that is. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Judges chapter 6, and we'll just look at 36 to 37. I just want to deal with this because I know it's something we've, a lot of us have hold, held on to. Remember, Gideon was an unregenerated person and he was wanting to do this and you know his heart fluctuated and all that but but we got this idea if you know the story of Gideon God comes to him and he 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 calls him to deliver Israel from the oppressors and he causes him to raise up an army and go and fight and to be to be one of the deliverers and Gideon is unsure of some things all right and also remember that at the time um, they didn't have the light that we have from Scripture, and they also, you know, God was Jehovah was a God amongst gods, and it's kind of it's a little bit of shocking to think for us, but it, it wasn't uncommon, you know, for, it wasn't unheard of. Like Solomon, you know, married heathen wives and. They went and, and made offering to other gods, and sometimes they like to hedge their bets. You understand that? We we sometimes hedge our bets with God. We just do it in a much more religious or intelligent way. But they like to hedge their bets. So Gideon put out a fleece, and he says, uh, "If you will deliver me, I want this fleece, this sheep, to be damp on one side but dry on the other." And then the next morning it was damp, or you know the story on, on one side and dry on the other. And then he flips it over. He says, "Well, now, now, if you're going to deliver me, or just pardon me, please forgive me," which means he basically knew he was doing the wrong thing. And then I'm going to just to make sure, make sure it's damp on one side and 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 dry on, on on the other side. And he did that. It was damp on the other side and dry on the other side. And we were taught really to put out a fleece. You want to know that God will put out a fleece. So we might say, well, Lord, if it's raining tomorrow, then it's not your will for me to go to the beach. Or, and you know, the more spiritual word, the more, I probably could say, the less you wanted to do it, the harder you made the fleece. <laughs> if the sun rises in the west tomorrow, I'll take it. All right? So he puts out this fleece. And I just, I, I forgive me. 
I, I, I'm just having fun of how I grew up. All right, I, I really don't want to. But it says here, verse 36, Gideon, Gideon said to God, If you will deliver me through me as you have spoken. And then in verse 37, I put out a fleece of wool on the threshing floor if there's dew on the fleece only and dry on all the ground. Then I will know that you, you will deliver me as you have spoken. Well, I, you know, the basics here is that Gideon knew what God had said, true? Did he not say, as you have spoken? I think he was more testing God's ability. I know that sounds shocking. Because he, twice in those verses he says, as you have spoken, means I've heard what you said. I understand what you said. Are you going to go through with it, which is faithfulness, or are you able to do it, which is ability? And they were the big tests of faith that, that Abraham and Sarah had, the faithfulness and the ability of God. And he's trying to get his faith up. So he, you know, Now, if you like, you can question God's faithfulness. Let me know how that goes for you. <laughs> or you can test God's ability just let me know how that goes for you because really Gideon you, you can't get direction on how to be led by an unregenerate person who really wasn't sure whether God was faithful or whether God even had the ability to do this and that if you're clever enough God to put put, to put the dew on one side, dry on the other, then I, I, I know if you, I can do it. And, and can you see that? Yeah, I know that's another rhetorical question. My apologies. <laughs> you can see that, that he actually had heard and did understand clearly. And who knows that uh, you can hear clearly from God and not be obedient. And that's scary ground. A scary ground. Romans 1 says, I hardens your heart and God turns you over. The original sin. Adam and Eve knew. They heard from God. You can hear clearly from God and not be obedient. So the inward witness, the way God leads, the primary way that he leads is, is the Holy Spirit confirming with us on the inside the revelation of who we are and direction. He gives us leading. It's a still small voice. It's quiet. And it's spiritual. It's not emotional. Years ago, I know I've shared this before. Years ago, I was studying at the University of New England, studying teaching. It was Armadale College Advanced Education then. And I had to do a prac down at, at Coffs Harbour, Coffs Harbour Baptist School. And I had this beautiful new Suzuki motorbike. And I was going to ride down to check out this, uh, the, the prac, um, find out some things about it. And as I was getting, as I was getting ready the days before, I just felt this uncomfortableness in me. Now, God doesn't lead by fear. All right, and God doesn't lead by anxiety. It says in Colossians three fifteen, "Let the peace of God rule in your heart." And I know we're, we're, yeah, the peace of God is to be the starting place which we hear God's will. I just want to 
draw that definition. We are, God doesn't lead by making you anxious or making you unpeaceful. Peace of God is to rule in our heart. And so when we find that place of peace, we get quiet with God. We find that place because we know I'm anxious for nothing. I believe, God, that you can lead me. I believe you can protect me. But now let's listen. And I got to that place and I heard this little, hmm, you know. And, and it, you know, as a 20-year-old, I, I, I thought that was, uh, I thought that was uh, me being, uh, having lack of faith. In that sense, and that so so I, I I rebuked it and I stood on and I just you know, this and other. It was the Holy Spirit trying to warn me. It might not be a good idea, you know. You you know, it was just that. It's a little bit like a wrong pastor I, I, who I respected said. It's a little like like having a bath or a shower with your socks on. It's like you know you'll get away with it, but something just doesn't seem right. One preacher I've heard says you need to check your seamers. All through Acts, a number of times through Acts, well, even in in the Gospels, it says that Jesus perceived in his heart that they were thinking this. In Acts, the apostles, it says it seems right to us and to the Holy Spirit. So we need to develop that seamer on the inside of us. That that be quick to respond to our conscience, that's the voice of our spirit, and, and develop that seamer when we get living and, and act on it. And I, my seamer was going, hmm. And, and it wasn't, in the end, it wasn't fear because I stood against it. And it wasn't, you know, it, I still had that. That, hmm. Well, on the way down, it was fine, down, going down the Dorigo Highway, that beautiful road down through Dorigo and you come out just south of Cox Harbour and that was all fine, everyone went fine. On the way back a couple of days later, I'm travelling up the Dorigo Highway, I'm ringing it out on my big tough Suzuki 450 as much as you can ring out a Suzuki 450. Up the mountain on the highway road and around the corner came a 1976 Holden Kingsman. Smack bang. Head on collision. Flat out on my motorbike flat out on him into this holy kingsman. And I flipped over the top. I thought I was dead. I landed and I thought I was dead. And uh, long story short, they took me to hospital. I was fine. I had a, I had a little bit of a bruised knee. A friend of mine in the church in Armadale said, you were so stupid. said, God saved your life and the angel kicked you in the knee so you learn. <laughs> and I can remember hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit saying to me, so there's a witness of the Holy Spirit and the voice of the Holy Spirit. I can remember the voice of the Holy Spirit saying to me in a hospital, it's saying, you are not your own grant, you've been bought with a price. I didn't even, you know, I'd forgotten it was a scripture. If you are not your own, you have been bought with a price. But there were two different leadings, you understand. One was a witness and one was a voice. Yeah. And the voices are, the witness should be there all the time. The voices on occasions, you can't weep it up and mock it up, you don't ask for it. When it comes, it comes, accept it. Well, years after that, probably five or six years after that, we were with our youth group down in Canberra and we were travelling. We, we would go caving out of Wee Jasper and we'd go out sailing down to the caves out of Wee Jasper. On the way back, I was in my beautiful Saab 99. You remember that Saab 99? Living when I first dated, I said to her, you know, she said, how I find your eyes? I'm in the Saab 99. She took one look at it and she thought, you poor thing. <laughs> what, you had a Hillman? Yeah. Yeah, 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 you're a hunter. Yeah, yeah, if you got a Hillman hunter. Anyway, I'm going, 
driving, it's dusk, and I'm driving along the road, and it's a beautiful straight country road, and we're coming towards a crest up there, and I got that same sense. It pays to, who knows it pays to learn? Take the opportunities, there's learning opportunities. I got that same sense. It was, hmm. It's like, hmm. And I'm driving, I'm probably doing 80 something along the country, right? nothing drastic, and I slow right down to 40. And we just crest the hill, and there was a cow right in the middle, big beef cattle right in the middle of the road. Who knows it's a good thing to learn to be led by the Holy Spirit? Yes. It's a good thing to hear that witness and learn how to work with the witness. Yes. Right? It's not external, it's internal. It's not emotional, it's spiritual. We have emotions for a reason. You know, they say they say about money, and they say, it's not wrong to have money, it's money for wrong to have you. Money for, <laughs> it's not wrong to have money, it's wrong for money to have you. It's not wrong to have emotions. It's wrong for emotions to have you. If Elijah was to be led by his emotions, he would have packed up and gone home. We're to stir up those things. Where the Bible says to stir up and to speak. So um, this still small voice, it's not a feeling, it's a witness. Just turn with me, please. I want to look at... Um, turn to Galatians 5. We have to learn to distinguish between the voice of our emotions and the voice of our spirit. The emotions are part of our flesh. You know, how we are feeling, and you know, as scientists will tell us, it's, it's got a lot to do with unresolved things that are going on in our head and how we were hurt before and what happened to us before and we see something that dances around and we frame it and we come up with an emotion. That is not how God leads. That's called the flesh. We're called to renew all of that. And part of the big art is to learn to get victory over your emotions, to control them and to direct them. And there's ways and means which we do that. We don't get into now, but part of it is 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 confession, all that. Uh, part of it is what we speak, what we listen to. But in Galatians chapter five, it says this. I was going to say, can you give me five more minutes? But then I was afraid that people might get up and leave. Five minutes. What's the rush? Anyone in a rush? Nope. Galatians 5, it says this, 16 to 18, it says, I say walk in the Spirit, and then you will not carry out the desires or the lusts of the flesh. It's interesting. The flesh has lusts, the Spirit leads. The flesh tries to control. The Spirit leads. The flesh sets its desire against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. They're in opposition to each other so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you are led by the spirit, you're not under the law. The deeds of the flesh are listen. And down in verse 24, it says, Now those who belong to Christ has crucified the flesh with its passions. Crucified, so crucifixion is not pretty. You know, it wasn't a pretty thing to do, but that we're told to put down our flesh. 
One of the great opportunities and great wonders of having a flesh out, does anyone know what I mean by flesh out? Yes. Now, I know that you probably, Linda knows when I flesh out. You have flesh out, is that you get to recognize the voice of the flesh in your life, and your partner does as well. That's why Galatians 5 says, the works of the flesh are evident to all. <laughs> They're obvious. All right? And it says, but you have to, to hear the voice of God, you need to crucify that. You need to put it down. That means you take control of it. And you say, I am not going to be ruled by fear. Now, I know the voice of fear. You know the voice of fear. It's strong. It's anxiety. But you know what? You can stand up and say to it, I take authority over you. I will not be moved. I trust that my God shall supply all my needs. You claim the scripture. Start sometimes in my darkest moments. I've had to claim a scripture and say it hundreds of times. Hundreds of times. And then there's this change. There's a shift. When the Holy Spirit says, crucify the flesh so that you can walk in the Spirit, so that you can hear the voice of God and be obedient to the voice of God, he was not talking about something that was going to be easy. Otherwise, he'd say, just flip it away. He said, crucify it. Put it down. Paul said, I beat my body. I beat my flesh. So lest I run, I run in vain. <laughs> yeah, there's lots of long faces in <laughs> This is actually good news. But when we realize that, we learn at the other end of this is victory. Yeah. At the other end of this is deliverance. Yeah. At the other end of this is opportunity. At the other end of this is joy. At the other end of this, the Bible says, is joy unspeakable, full of glory. Is at the other end of putting the flesh down and learning to be master of it. Yeah, that's right. One of the best illustrations which I can think of happened last night, not with me personally. <laughs> but it happened to anyone watching the Commonwealth Games. Sorry, another rhetorical question. I'm watching the rhetorical games. Thank you very much. I'd like to... <laughs> 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 the what games? <laughs> rhetorical games. I'm watching the Commonwealth Games. <laughs> Slow down. Listen to the inner voice. Don't be rushed. Be at peace. Uh, but my favourite event growing up was the 1500 metres. Did I tell you that I hold the championship record for walking? Should I tell them that now? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Regional championship record. I won't tell them that. But there's Australian Ollie um, Oliver won the 1500 metres. Australian hasn't run the 1500 metres since I don't know, Herb Elliott, 1958, something like that. And, uh, you know, I, I got up and I got to the bathroom and just flipped through the news on the Commonwealth Games and, and, it, and there was a picture of him winning, winning it. Isn't victory sweet? Isn't it sweet? Isn't it when you walk out the other end and you taste the victory and you've found the direction of God and you've been obedient, you put the flesh down and God moves in your life and moves in your family and moves in your body? Isn't it sweet? But you look at that race and Paul said, Paul, the, the Holy Spirit uses this as a metaphor. And he's sticking in there, isn't he? And his body, that last 400 meters, another point. I've run middle day for the last 400 metres. It hurts, baby. Your lung burns. And that's what, it, that's what it's like putting it. Your body comes, your mind, emotions come up with all these reasons why you should stand in self-righteousness and let that person have a piece of my mind in love. 
Mesdames, Messieurs, ne que je veux reconduire en vous rejoindre. I'm gonna stop them. Can we that cold? They're all flashes. They're all flash out. They're all just. Selfishness is flesh. Self righteousness is flesh. But at the other end of that is victory. At the other end of that is obedience to God. And once you've got the victory, so, you know, if you saw the race and he's sticking in there, he's sticking in there. And he had two world champions in front of him. They both had the, the person who won the world champion just two weeks before, the person that won it a couple of years before than the previous one. They're in front of him. Imagine how his flesh is feeling. We're going down that last 150 minutes and there's two world champions in front of him. And, and yet, you know, and we have to do this. We have to believe the Christ in us. We have to believe that it's true. We have to believe that we're being led. We have to believe the Holy Spirit leads us. And he puts out and he goes for it. And he goes for it. And he just keeps trying and he keeps trying and he keeps trying and he keeps trying. And they pass the Scottish guy who's the current world championship. And then there's this Kenyan. There's dastardly Kenyans and they're little distant fighters in front of him. And he tries. And at the last minute, the Kenyan is exhausted and he only puts his chest forward and he wins gold. And we go, whoa! And I go, whoa! And he kneels down and he cries. Isn't victory sweet? The key to victory was him putting down his body, putting down his flesh, and saying no to the things that would lead you astray from hearing the voice of God. And as we do that, as we do that day by day, we'll begin to hear God's voice clearer. Remember, God's leading is not in the circumstances. How would Paul feel everything he went through if he thought God was leading by circumstances. It's not in the situations. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For the Spirit bears witness with my spirit that we are children of God. It pays to say that. Let's say it. The Spirit bears witness with my spirit that I'm a child of God. Now, we're all going to have opportunity this week to be an ollie and to put down the flesh. At the other end of that is victory. And sometimes putting down that flesh will be just to get peace, just to get peace so that you can hear God, just to get settled so that then you can hear God. He wants to lead us. John 10 says, The sheep know my voice. We can claim that. The sheep know his voice. I know his voice. I hear his voice. It's not in the storms. It's not in the fire. It's not in the external things. It's not in the circumstances. His voice is within me. His voice is within me. He speaks to me. He rises up big within me. I can hear him. I can believe it. I can be led. I can have victory. Praise God. Let's bow our heads Heavenly Father, we do thank you that as many as are led by the Spirit of the sons of God, we thank you that your Spirit bears witness within our spirit that we are sons of God, we are children of God, that we're not led by circumstances, we're not led by emotions, we're not led by, by startling things. We take time, we get to peace, and we listen, and we're obedient. 
And we thank you for that this week in Jesus' name. Amen.